Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. My podcasts often deal with distressing situations which are not suitable for children and some adults for that matter. Some of what I discuss may trigger uncomfortable emotions. If that does occur, please reach out to Lifeline, Beyond Blue or any other support service or person you feel comfortable with. Please keep in mind that there's always two sides, sometimes more, to every story. My guests provide their recollection of an event or incident, sharing their thoughts and their emotions, but it's theirs. Not everybody will agree with them. I never want to tell any guest what to say or what not to say. So there will always be others that see it differently, and I understand that. Hello, I'm Narelle Fraser. I was a cop with Victoria Police for 27 years, 15 of those as a detective, having dealt with all types of crime, from a stolen bicycle to a stolen life. I witnessed the effect crime has on those involved and became one of those victims myself in 2012 when I was diagnosed with PTSD. However, out of adversity comes other opportunities like this, my own podcast. I'm still pinching myself. Thanks for listening and coming with me as we explore the human side and impact of crime. It affects me so deeply. I I see that and I don't know why my passengers survived or why I survived. And all I can tell myself is because I've got to try and stop people doing that. And, And I feel so passionately about stopping people destroy their lives and the lives of others. This week... Zach talks to us about freedom and what it means and things like not having to look behind him all the time. And I thought it was interesting how he said how difficult it was initially to talk to normal people because he talks about in jail, it's just a completely different language and it's not something I'd even thought about. Because everyone in jail does the same thing day in, day out. So it's not like, you know, what have you been doing today? Um, it was it was really a fascinating, or is a fascinating insight. Uh, he also takes us through his parole conditions, which are pretty, oh, what would you cut, uh, strenuous? That's probably not the right word. But it's how he manages a whole lot of things, but one was his bling, which is his word for his ankle bracelets. And yes, I said bracelets because he's got one on each ankle. 
Zach is really taking every opportunity to redeem himself. And you'll hear about the effort that he's making to try and make amends and do something positive about the terrible mistakes that he He's not really shy about discussing. Uh, he's got himself a full-time job. Uh, he's working on presentations that he's been asked to present to young men who've started going off the rails, or maybe they are off the rails, um, but sharing his lived experience. And I know that will be invaluable to others who probably, like Zach, don't think, or like Zach didn't think, that there was any coming back from where he'd gone. Um and just the helpless situation and hopeless situation that they've found themselves in. Uh, Zach is testament to the fact that you can turn your life around a full 360 degrees. Life's looking so much better for Zach, and to be honest, I'm a better person for talking with him and listening to his message. So I hope you get something out of uh, week three with Zach, as I have. Thank you. So what are you finding the hardest to um, adjust to? Upon release, look, crowds and and really busy places have really taken some getting used to. Even you know, the first thing I did when I when I got out was was enrolled in a gym. I signed up for a gym membership, and you know, it, the gyms are so much bigger and so much different. And you know, in jail, you're kind of always aware of what's going on behind you. Um, you know, because you're always kind of hyper aware and and. And thinking about oh what's going to happen you know because at the at the drop of a dime everything is you're having a normal day and then the next minute someone's getting attacked or you're in a fight it can turn to shit it, yeah it, it can go belly up really quickly and so yeah. you know having people move around behind you in, in a supermarket and and okay. stuff like that it you, you you you're very on edge and it makes you very anxious uh and i think even just talking just to just to normal people because in jail it's you speak. You don't seem to be having too much problem to me. Oh well, uh, you know, I think <laughs> certainly I'm certainly very nervous. Uh, but I, I've, yeah. had, I've had I've had about a month now to kind of get back to normal, and I and I, I can talk the hind legs off a donkey. That's a gift that I've got from my mother. Um, <laughs> You've but, met your match here, Zach. Yeah, that's awesome, you know. But so in in jail, you talk your own, you talk a different language, you know, and and it's not like you don't talk about all the different things you're doing because you do the same things every day. And so it, it's weird just having having a normal conversation on the outside because a normal conversation on the outside is completely different to a quote-unquote normal conversation in jail. So it was just little things like that, you know, have taken a lot of getting used to. Hey, tell us about your uh, ankle bracelets. Oh, my jewellery, my bling-bling. <laughs> I, I, they They've gone the whole hog on me. I have two. I have one on each ankle. So the one on my right ankle is a GPS bracelet and it monitors my location 24-7. And so because as part of my parole conditions, I have 10 p.m. to 6 a.m. curfew. So I have to be home at my house within those times. Otherwise, I break my parole. Um, And so it will notify them if I'm not at my house or within the boundaries of my house. Um, and that has uh, an external charging dock. So I charge this little external charging pack and then I clip it onto my bracelet for two, three, four hours every day. And so I have, I have a routine. I charge it from six thirty till ten thirty. Um, give it to give it a good a good charge, and so that lasts for until my next charging 
period the next day. And then on my left ankle, I have what's called a scram monitor. And so it's an alcohol monitor. So every, every half an hour it vibrates and that's, that lets me know that it's just taken a sample of my sweat and it detects any alcohol in my system because I'm, I'm not allowed to drink. And, you know, and they tell you, be really, really careful because, you know, if you spill alcohol on it or you, you put something on your skin that's got alcohol on it or your own cleaning products that have alcohol, it will go off. And, you know, unfortunately, if, if it picks up alcohol, we have to assume that it's because you're drinking. Uh, and that can, you know, uh, that can impact my parole. And so I'll give you an example. I, it was a really hot day. We, we've come into summer now and, and uh, I was going to be doing some work outside around the house. And so my mum handed me this, this bottle of aerosol or this little can of aerosol uh, sun, sun cream. And I didn't think anything on it. I, I sprayed, sprayed it all over myself and then sprayed it on my legs and, um, you know, and I've rubbed it in and then I've kind of smelt my hand and I thought, oh, it smells like alcohol. And so I looked at them. Oh, no. I, looked at them I looked at this can and it says 50%, 57% alcohol. And I've done a back, I've jumped out of my skin, Narelle. Um, I bet you did. And I've, oh, you know, I'm taking photos of it. And I've called my parole worker straight up, and I'm like, please don't send me back to jail. Like, you know, um, and yeah. it was, it was, it was really, it was really full on, and I was really, really anxious. And and luckily enough, because I washed it straight off, so I don't think it didn't end up actually registering um, on the scram bracelet. And you know, in parole. Thanks. Thank God. Yeah, and parole really appreciated that I was so forward about it and everything like that, which I have been whenever I've had an issue with when, with one of my brains. I've, yeah, I've called yeah. them straight up. Um, and so, look, they've been they've been really, really nice. When I was in jail, people used to tell me, oh, parole will do anything they can to breach you. They will, they will look for any reason they can to breach you. And I think, you know, there's a lot of people who make excuses for their own poor behavior in jail, and I think that, is what it came down to because for the most part, my, my parole, well, you know, not even for the most part, they've, they've been super, super um, accommodating, you know, cause I, I started working a week after I got out of jail and my parole worker books my appointments with her. Cause I have two meetings a week with her and she books those appointments around my work schedule and around my, even around my gym schedule to, to a certain degree. Um, okay. And so they've been super, super accommodating. You know, there was I've had problems with my GPS bracelet. Um, the band has split. There's a there's a uh, big rubberized band that attaches around your ankle, and and it's actually split twice on two different bands. And through no fault of mine, it's just wear and tear. And you know, they've, they've come straight out and they've they've repaired it for me and they've, they've put a new one on and it's not been an issue. So, uh, hey Zach, what does it look like? What or describe the bracelets to us your, your bling yeah so my bling on my so my gps bracelet is it's about the size of one of those little old nokia phones um and so that just sits on the on the side of my ankle it's the, the gps bracelet is quite loose because it doesn't have to be pressed against my skin but then it's got a, a rubberized band that has like a metal um like a piece of metal on the inside that if it's if it's broken, it knows it's been it's been cut or it's been tampered with, um, and but so that one's technically waterproof because that rubberized band is supposed to to seal that internal metal part. Uh, but then so on on my right ankle, oh, sorry on my left ankle is my alcohol bracelet and that's a lot bigger. It's uh, I'm trying to think of you know it's it's 
it's like it's really like two two Nokia phones next to each other, and it it is pressed against my ankle because it has to be able to detect a sample of my sweat. It's all made of hard plastic, and it's it's really painful. It's so annoying sometimes. Um, you know, I, I can't I can't really run with it on, and it bangs on my ankle bones and stuff like that. So Zach, it, it I'm surprised. I don't know why, but I thought it would be like an actual bracelet but what you're saying is it's actually like it's big it's very noticeable um yeah look it's you know if, if i'm not wearing pants you you, you know you, you see it um yeah you know they, they they do stand out but um you, you know when i'm wearing when i'm wearing pants you can't really you can't really notice them yeah okay um in closing I think we might um, uh, start um, finishing up only I'm just very aware of the uh, the mental fatigue that this could be causing you and I, you know, just reliving it all, I just can't imagine. Uh, but just in closing, you've found um, solace in words, both in writing the book and, and writing songs. And I've got to say I've been privileged enough to read some excerpts from your book and I just found it so honest, so raw, and at times I've got to admit pretty heartbreaking. Uh, I imagine it was very difficult and confronting to relive it all and how troubled and messed up you were uh, and how, I suppose, how you treated those closest to you. So can you tell us where your book is at the moment, uh, when you think it will be released and how people can keep track of where it's at? Yeah, look, absolutely. So our book is in the second pass edit at the moment and uh, we are going through the book and we've we've restructured it slightly just to make it a little bit uh, more enjoyable to read and so that there's lots of contrast between my mum's chapters and mine. Uh, it certainly so is. <laughs> a, lot of, a lot of my chapters are really quite dark and, and I'm – I'm really open and honest about the levels of my drug addiction and offending and, and about my headspace while I was in jail. Um, and so, you know, um, it's, it does get very dark at, at, at times. And so it's a lot nicer um, to have my mum's stuff kind of break it up as well. Though, yeah, though, yeah. There, though there's a lot of heartfelt stuff um, from my mum, it's a little bit less full on. So our, our book is called Why the Fallen? And you can you can search that on Facebook, Why the Fallen, and and our, our page will come up. And we have a website, www.whythefallen.com. And so you can like and subscribe to our Facebook and our website, and you know we'll keep you up to date on the release of our book and and things like that, and any updates uh, regarding that. But so we we are aiming to have our book out this this year, and. And yeah, you know, and we're we're going to go from there. I I have plans to do public speaking, um, and I'm in contact with a few different organisations because I I I really want to try and take this second chance I've got to to stop other people making the same mistakes that I've made. Because you know, when I was in jail, I watched every week Narell on on the news as people did the same thing I did. They crashed their car, drink driving, and everyone died or, you know, the, the, the driver's passengers died. And, and, you know, I, it, it affects me so deeply. I, I, I see that and I don't know why, you know, why my passengers survived or why I survived. And all I can tell myself is because I've got to try and 
try and stop people doing that. And, and I feel so passionately about stopping people destroy their lives and the lives of others. Hmm. Actually, talking about the passengers, have you had any connection or uh, have you spoken to the passengers? Uh, well, no. So none of them came to my sentencing and none of them came to court and I didn't hear from any of them while I was in jail. So I wouldn't have had anything to do with them anyway as a result of that because that, that speaks volumes to me about, you know, the kind of friends that they were. But I'm not allowed to – I'm not allowed to talk to them as a, as a part of my parole condition, either directly or indirectly. I can't, I can't message them on Facebook. If they, if they were to message me, I can't reply to them. Okay. Uh, and that's, that's a part of my parole conditions because they are, you know, victims of my crime. Um, yeah. so yeah, I, I, I have nothing to, to do with any of them. Okay. Well, I suppose on that, um, I'd like to, you know, at least acknowledge that those passengers in your car who were injured, I'd like to hope, you know, that they're okay and I hope they see that you are taking responsibility for your actions and maybe find a little bit of forgiveness in their hearts as I know they weren't the dri- in the driver's seat, as you said previously, but we'd have to say they weren't exactly angels either. Uh, hello? Guess who? Me again. Hey, excuse the interruption, but it's a very important interruption. We've decided to put on a show for you, my listeners, who've hung in there and waited and waited, as we have, to get this thing up and running. The show is called The Groomer, and it's about an investigation that I was part of which centred around the distorted world of a pedophile. It's pretty raw but educational where I also talk about online grooming with a special guest and the damage that online grooming or grooming in general causes to all those involved. So please come and join me on Saturday the 19th of March 2022 at the Village Roadshow Theatre at the State Library 179 La Trobe Street in Melbourne 7pm start goes till about 9. The tickets are through Eventbrite. Uh, COVID rules will apply and you know the go. Masks, no kissing, no hugging, no smooches, no holding hands, no personal displays of affection. And that's just for me. (laughs) Hope to see you there. Bye. So just a little bit more, Zach, about what you're doing now. You said you've been working uh, the week that, that you got out of jail. Can you tell us what you're doing in that regard? Well, so I was very fortunate that a, a friend of ours um, owns, a, owns a wedding venue and they, uh, while I was in jail, they, they promised that if I would, I would ever need a job and if I'd like a job that I could come and work for them which, uh, yeah, the week that I got out, I got in contact with them and, and I took them up on that. And so, you know, on my, on my second week out of jail, still dealing with, um, you know, all, all the anxiety and things that I was, I was dealing with, I just, I just jumped straight into it to just straight away start like a positive routine and a positive habit. And I've, look, I mean, I've, I've really, I've almost, I've honestly surprised myself, um, <laughs> because yeah. I've look, I think I've just done so well in terms of um, 
just taking everything on and 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 focusing on on the job at hand and and, and really making the most of the opportunity and and I think that they're really really happy with me at the moment and it's it's meant a lot for my self esteem and and for me getting back on track. I, I bet it has because I imagine if you got home and you didn't have something like that to keep you busy and keep you occupied, you know, it life would go very slow. But it's it. Those people, they deserve, like, to be able to give you that opportunity and to give, yeah, not to be able to, to give you that opportunity. It, yeah, that's fantastic. Yeah, I think so, and it really helps because you know when when you get out of out of jail, you don't have really a sense of direction. You know, you have an idea of what you want to do, but you don't know where to start. And so it was, it gave me real direction, and it really helped me actually begin to physically move forward with the rest of my life. Mm. And, and you said before that um, Meg even works around your your hours so that you can continue to work, which is fantastic. I mean, it's just so important for you to be in that good space, I suppose, and Meg is doing – Meg, your parole officer, is doing everything she can, isn't she, to work around that? She's been so super supportive with, with my work and my training schedule. Um, I, can't, I, can't, I can't falter on that. It's, it's, meant, it's meant so much. So what does a parole officer – so you've, you talk a lot about Meg – and just how supportive she's been. And every time you ring, you know, when you said about the sunscreen, like it seems like Maggie's there all the time. Can you tell us a bit about what her role is and is she supposed to be there 24-7? Yeah, so she works, you know, with uh, normal office hours from, you know, like, you know, 9, nine till 5 or whatever. Uh, and so I can, I can contact her through the parole office, at any time during those hours. But so when, when there's something that happens after those hours, there's a, a mobile number um, of, of what's called a duty officer that I can ring at any time um, oh, yeah. who isn't Meg, but they, they will take care of any issues that I'm having. So for example, uh, I was having problems with my GPS bracelet at like 11:30 on, on new year's Eve, you know, half an hour before the start of the new year's and, and they came out and fixed that for me uh, that night. Uh, really? And so, yeah, look, okay. they're, like they're, they're really accommodating. Okay. And what's Meg's role? Not just Meg, but what does a, what is a parole officer meant to do with uh, parolees like yourself? What's their role? Uh, well, to help, to be, to be a, a support network for transitioning out, but also to assess you know, how I'm, how I'm coping. Um, if I've, if I'm, you know, uh, struggling with, you know, not falling back into old habits and stuff like that. Like there is an element of risk assessment in, in her job as well. She has to make sure that, you know, it's, it's safe for me and I'm, I'm fulfilling my parole obligations. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. And you said that you have a meeting with her twice a week. So what sort of things so is that what she does? She just makes sure you're going okay. How are you? Have you had any troubles? Is there anything? Is that the sort of thing she does? Yeah, absolutely. But you know, so she also, um, she also, we we do some you know uh, cognitive behaviour therapy work together. It's stuff that I've I've, I've covered extensively uh, in when I was in jail working uh, through my offender behaviour programs. Then also when I 
voluntarily saw the, the, the counsellor there as well. Uh, but so it's, you know, she wants to gauge how I deal with the, uh, the trauma from, from my crash and what I did and, and stuff like that. And so she works through that kind of stuff with me and, and gains a better understanding of how I'm traveling mentally uh, in regards to, to my offending and, and, and things like that. And then, you know, reintegrating into normal life. Okay. You just said then that you did a behavioral therapy sessions inside. What does that look like to us on the outside? Well, so what is that? For, for a lot of people, I think cognitive behavior therapy uh, as, as a prime example would for I'm sure a lot of people be very, very basic things. It's, it's understanding your emotions and how they affect, you know, your thoughts and behaviors. But so it was something that I, I had genuinely never done any work on and I, I wasn't familiar with actually understanding that when a, when a thought comes into my head or when I, when I get a feeling about something that's going on, actually understanding how my, how my, uh, my mind and, and how I'm responding to that mm-hmm. uh, and, and understanding uh, that I, I, I'm in control of actually dealing with how I respond to things and, and how I cope with, with emotions. And it seems very rudimentary, but for myself and for, for many other people, it is something that we actually have to address and really consciously work on. And that is, that was, you know, a root of a lot of my ad- addictive tendencies was because I was completely ill-equipped to deal with my emotions and, and things like that. And so cognitive behavior therapy uh, really helps you and gives you the tools to deal with that. And do you do that, I'm talking about inside, do you do that in a group or is it a one-on-one or is it in a classroom type of thing? How, do, how does it work inside? Yeah, so it is in a group. The offender behavior programs are in groups. Uh, but I, I did a lot of one-on-one work uh, with Archie, the, the counsellor, who is like an, an incredible human being. Like that, that, that the insight that he gave me was, was second to none. Mm-hmm. Yeah, sometimes we, we need a bit of help as to how to deal with something when we haven't dealt with it before. You're right. And sometimes you just need that bit of direction and to understand why you're thinking the way you are. So and some, sometimes you have to go back to basics and, and really and really learn that stuff again. Um, because for me, I, I, don't, I don't know, I must have I must have missed that session in school or, or something because I did. I had, yeah. I had to go back and I had to revisit all that stuff. Yeah. Well, that's when you weren't turning up to school. And that's what and that's what happens. <laughs> Oh, sorry, I shouldn't even laugh, should I? But I remember mum telling us about, you know, when you were, well, we used to call it wagging school. I don't know what you call it. Yeah, it's the same thing these days, yeah. Yeah, yeah. But when you wag, you know, mum was saying the number of times that you weren't at school and you should have been. And anyway, there you go. That's uh, what happens when you wag school. Now, there's another message, (laughs) one of the many messages we've got uh, during this podcast. Now, also... You've continued going to the gym and uh, working on what mum tells me is a pretty damn good body. Um, so you're obviously working lots. Tell me what you're doing at the gym, how often you're going there, what has it done for your mental health, you know? Yeah, well, I'll start off with what it's done for my mental health is, I mean, you know, there's there's no sugarcoating it. Gym has saved my life uh, in, in, in so many ways. So gym is, you know, I, and I cover this in my book that, you know, I do have a very addictive personality. 
And I, mm. I need an addiction like a car needs a driver. Like I need something to actually to, to, to drive me, you know what I mean? And, and, and Jim is that it, it, it helps my mental health, you know, and when I train hard, I feel good. And when I feel good, you know, it, I, I just, I, I have a better outlook on everything. And I, I attack every day with, uh, with a lot more vigor. But so for me, uh, Jim, Jim is. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from everything iconic, ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget. Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a T-shirt. Until you tried it on. Same goes for your health care. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. If you thought the only way to get a more defined jawline with natural-looking results was through surgery, think again. Juvederm Volux XC is a non-surgical injectable gel filler that improves moderate to severe loss of jawline definition and can help you achieve natural-looking results with little downtime. Even better, this improved definition lasts up to one year with optimal treatment. No maintenance required. Improve jawline definition for a smooth, sculpted look with Juvederm Volux XC. For important safety information and to find a licensed specialist, visit Juvederm.com. That's J-U-V-E-D-E-R-M.com. Not for people with severe allergic reactions, allergies to lidocaine, or the proteins used in Juvederm. Common side effects include injection site redness, swelling, pain, tenderness, firmness, lumps, bumps, bruising, discoloration, or itching. There's a risk of unintentional injection into a blood vessel, which can cause vision abnormalities, blindness, stroke, temporary scabs, or scarring. Talk to a licensed specialist to find out if it's right for you. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit betterhelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Is where I, I pour a lot of my my uh, energy and, and emotion and stuff like that. And I it's a, it's a positive outlet. And so for me, I train weights six days a week. And so I train one body part. Uh, so chest, back, shoulders, arms, legs, always in that order. So one muscle group a, a day and I have one rest day. And, you know, I, I, I train before I go to work and it just – it, it does wonders for me. It really does. It just, I suppose it just gets everything in order, your mind, your body, to start the day. It, it, I know a lot of people that um, go to a gym. Uh, I am clearly not one of them, although I should. Maybe I should t- take a leaf out of your book, Zach. Maybe I should start doing something in that. I mean, I try and keep myself, you know, in reasonable shape. 
and and I I use that word very loosely, reasonable. Look, I, <laughs> but, I tell I tell all of my friends, you don't have to be in good shape to start, but you have to start to be in good shape. And it doesn't it doesn't take you don't have to break your back to the you know and, and really bust your, yourself in the gym like I do. You know, just yeah. just getting in and, and doing half an hour every day on a treadmill or a step machine, like it does so much, not just for your physical, but for your mental well-being. Yeah, really, I'd have to say, I think exercise is, yes, it you you it makes you look good, It make, but it's all, I think it's more about how it makes you feel. It makes you feel good. Yeah, yeah. I think most people, it's about feeling really good. And when you feel good, you can you can almost take on the world, can't you? <laughs> you know, and I really do. I feel like when I leave the gym every morning before I go to work, I feel like I could move mountains. <laughs> hey, I reckon you could by what mum says. <laughs> <laughs> hey, listen, we were talking about uh, public speaking. And I've got to say, Zach, that I was like you when I first began uh, thinking, well, actually knowing uh, that I had a message to share about my mental health when I was diagnosed with PTSD, but Mm. I didn't really know how to share it. So I worked on, you know, what I wanted to say and I practiced and practiced and I was taught a lot of things. I, I don't know if you're aware, but I went to a group called Toastmasters and that taught me a lot about public speaking and uh, how to try to stop saying, I don't know, you say a lot of things that you don't realise until you hear yourself talk sometimes, but a lot of people, me included, might say you know a lot or, um, or, you know, yeah, and it teaches you, they at Toastmasters teach you a lot about what to do with your hands and, you know, what to do on on stage, you know, whether to stand still uh, or whether to walk around a little bit or whatever. But I must admit, I found that people connected with me because I think it's probably going to be a bit like you because I wore my heart on my sleeve and I didn't pretend. I told them exactly what it was like, how I felt. And people really appreciate that and I'm sure those that you speak with they'll hear in your voice that that the passion you've got and that oh it's probably a wrong word regret but let's call it that and the regret that you have at what you've done and what you're doing to deter others from going down that path and I'd love people out there who are looking for a speaker about drugs and how they ruin your life, absolutely, I'd like him to think about contacting you and that even through me to contact you. Yeah. Where it's, where you give disadvantaged youth, for instance, the opportunity to listen to someone who's got that lived experience and has got such a powerful message. And I say that because you've said that uh, a, a place, co- and you'll have to tell me about them, but a place called Veteran Mentors have engaged you to do a presentation in April. I mean, how good is that? Uh, but I've never heard of them. Can you tell us about them? Yeah, absolutely. So, again, that was Melissa from You Choose Youth Road Safety who actually uh, got me in contact with them. And I'll, I'll go a little bit more into You Choose in a moment. But so I, I've been uh, invited to give a, a presentation uh, for, for Veteran Mentors and they are an organisation that helped teens to get back on track. They stage uh, 10-day military-style boot camps that aim at giving 
these these troubled teens effective strategies and skills, um, you know, like including, you know, physical and mental resilience and conflict resolution and, and fear and stress management and, and proper communication and things like that. And, and so they've asked me to give, uh, you know, a short presentation to, to their, their group of kids, you know, about my story and, oh, and, wow. and in the hope that, you know, I can, I, I can, help get through to them as well. And that is, that's exactly what I want to do. And, and like you said, you know, like I, I have, I'm just starting out. And so, you know, I still have to, you know, uh, you know, perfect things a little bit and make sure that my message is really clear. Um, but like it's so, it's such an incredible opportunity that they're inviting me, uh, to do that because it's exactly what I want to be doing. It's exactly the kind of people that I want to be trying to reach out to and, and help. Yeah, you know, you know, you'd never. I'm sure. Let's say six months ago, when you were lying in that cell of a night, looking up at the ceiling, I'm sure you never ever could have envisaged that this would happen when you were paroled. You know that you're, well, maybe working, yes, uh, because that your friends had offered you that opportunity, but you know to be. To think that you are going down the road, probably, of public speaking, or not probably, you are, but talking to, you know, young kids that have, that, you know, a lot of them are probably going to be where you were, just that, that is a powerful thing to be able to, that lived experience. You know, it's not, it's not like a professional, nothing against professionals, but it's not like a professional standing up there and, and reading something that they have learned, let's say at uni. This is somebody who has gone through hell and are prepared to share it. That's the powerful thing, isn't it? Absolutely. And, I, that, and that's the thing because I, I'm, I I don't have a degree or anything like any, and any physical qualifications. You know, I don't know the, the, you know, the vernacular and I don't know all those, those little things I don't have a full understanding of that but you know I have an understanding of of the life that I've led and, and what led me to that and you know when you when you mentioned that I couldn't have imagined it when I was in jail look I knew I wanted to I, I, I did want to do some kind of youth mentoring and I just but I had no idea where to start and that's and that's the thing like because how did I didn't know how I was going to to deliver a message that is different to your, your, your standard don't drink and drive message. And I think I've been really, really lucky uh, in terms of I've been able to kind of stand on the shoulders of giants a little bit um, as it's happening, you know, because uh, the likes of You Choose Youth Road Safety, they're, they're an organisation that kind of uh, uh, targets the root of the problem around road trauma caused by drink driving. And, and what they do is they really – uh, highlight the culture surrounding, you know, drink driving as, you know, it's a, it's a, an accident that, that kids make and, and that, you know, it's just a harmless thing that, that kids do in it. Their, their goal is to try and empower teens to, to own their actions. And, and as a result of that, own the outcome of, of what they're doing and it instills in them, um, you know, or it, it, it talks to their, their protective instinct in all of us. Uh, to, to look out for their mates and not let their mates get in the car drink driving and, and, and things like that. And, you know, I heard Melissa's presentation and, you know, I, I tried to think 
before going into it, I tried to think if I was my old self, because I was a really stubborn teenager and I, you know, I didn't listen to many people. Um, mm. And so all those stock standard kind of anti-drink driving things, you think, oh, yeah, well, that's never going to happen to me because it's hard to picture yourself as the victim, but it's easy to to understand understand it if you're looking at it from the pain of your loved ones. And I think that's where their message is, is so clear and so powerful because after, after that presentation that Melissa did for me, I sat there and I thought there's no way that I couldn't have ignored that because, I mean, I was in tears myself um, mm-hmm. watching that, that presentation and I think it's really given me such a valuable uh, understanding of how I can actually really uh, resonate with the people that I'm talking to. And it's also given you an unbelievable insight into the pain and trauma that parents, let's say, of young um, people like yourself or Jordan, what it does to them and how it ruins their lives. Well, with well, not ruins, but it affects them for the rest of their lives. Like Melissa and Peter, and you're right, it is a very, very powerful message. Uh, at the end of my podcast that I did with Peter and Melissa. Um, Melissa gave us about, I don't know, maybe a minute of what she says, a, a particular part of her presentation. And oh God, it, it it gave me goosebumps. And I thought to myself, if that doesn't get through to kids, nothing would. Yeah. Like just, I don't know if you've ever seen the photo of Melissa when like she's a beautiful woman mm. uh, inside and out, but there's a photo of her when she is so distraught. She's so broken. Look, I've... I've, I've broken, yes, yes. And, and I've seen that exact look in, in my mother's eyes, you know, and, mm. and I, know, I know firsthand the, the damage that, that my actions caused. And, you know, I can... I, I did... I, and I, all I could see when I saw that photo was... You know, I'm a mum because, because you know, you know, I could I could be in the exact same boat, and I think that's why it's so powerful. And you know, so she's she's um she's uh, touring schools all over Queensland and, and stuff like that. And you know, we're trying to help get her down into schools around Victoria as well because it's a message that and it's that photo. I mean, every kid needs to see that because I I dare say when you when you look at that photo, you think of your own mother. You know, so I really think. That you know, she needs to be going Australia-wide and, and sharing that story. Yeah, and uh, I th- I would hope, you know, that it, anybody listening who uh, – I know that Melissa and Peter speak to uh, schools because they want to get to those kids before they get their licence. Uh, and so I think that the message that they give, they want to give it to – you know, every, really, they want to give it to every young child, young person in Australia. But the best way to do that is through schools, and that's what they're doing. So, if anybody, if any principals, vice principals, teachers are listening, if you just uh, Google, you choose Y O U C H. Oh God, C H O O S E. You choose. Yeah. Uh, yes, it, it's. It's well worth getting them to come out and speak. And so uh, on that, like I suppose we can't bang on about it enough, can we, about anti-drink driving. But uh, your take-home message to those people that are, are thinking 
about getting into a car. Tell me what you want in your presentation. What mm. message do you want to get across about drink driving and not doing it? Well, I appreciate that. Look, I'll, I'll, I'll be very concise. My message is this. Do not drink and drive. I mean, this this podcast isn't about, you know, the fact that I went to jail. Like, I was really fortunate not to die. And, and you know, I see every week the same thing that I did happen and, and people are dying and, and the message isn't getting through. Like, it's not just a matter of don't drink and drive. Don't let your mates drink and drive. Like, do whatever you can to stop them because – like when, when, when you're drunk, you know, sometimes you, you just, you don't, you don't think properly. And that's why it, it comes down to being a really, really good friend and a genuine friend and not letting your friend do that. Like, you know, if I was in that situation, I, I'd, I'd, you know, I'd fight my mate to get his keys out of his hands so that, so that he didn't make that same mistake. But, you know, I, I think at the end of the day, people are going to make their own choices. So if your friends are going to drink drive, just don't, don't get in the car with them. Like if you can't stop them, just don't get in the car with them because, it, you know, you're putting your life in their hands and like you see how messy people are when they're, when they're drunk. You can't, you can't honestly a hundred percent trust that they're going to get you home safe. And it's, it's such a split second decision. You know, it takes no effort at all to get, to get into the car, not just behind the driver's, not just behind the wheel, but in the passenger seat. And once you're in, you know, mm. there's no, there's no getting out. And it, you, you're really putting your life in their hands and it's such an unnecessary risk. You know, call call your parents, call an Uber. You know, I mean, if I, you know, if I called my mum at, you know, some ungodly hour of the morning and said, look, mum, I'm drunk, I'm stuck in the city, I can't, like, you know, I, I, I can't get home without drink driving. You know, yeah, she'd probably be annoyed. But, you know, she'd rather either come and get me or pay, pay $100 for, for a taxi than, you know, have to organise my funeral. And I think that's that's what my message really is, is there needs to be responsibility and accountability and there needs to be a culture of standing up and making sure that you're not letting your friends make dangerous decisions like that. If And correct me if I'm wrong here, but how you got to where you got to, that really dark hole, was because you started to dabble in drugs, let's say a bit of weed, and then it gets, that's making me feel, you know, I don't know, it's um, helping me forget how I feel or my anxiety or you're getting bullied, it's helping that. But wouldn't you say that just by dabbling with some people's personalities, it's dangerous because it leads on to, that's what led you, isn't it, onto ice you are, because you, are you absolutely yeah. spot on. I can't, I can't say it better myself, and I suppose I should should be really clear here. Like, you, I, I, I hope that people look at my story and understand that, you know, when I first started trying and dabbling with drugs, you know, I never meant to to end up where I did, but I did, and that's that's the reality of the situation. Like, if you try it once, it becomes a part of your life one way or another. And, and it does, it snowballs out of control. And so when I say I'm not here to tell you not to do drugs, I, you know, a lot, so many people told me that, you know, and, and I, I, I totally didn't listen, but I hope that people hear my story and see where I started and where I ended up. And that is mm. a direct mm. result of, of drugs. Mm. And, and I think also from what you say and from what I've learned is that 
people that do go from, and I'm not saying just smoking a bit of weed. I, I don't want to, um, what's that word? D- d- um, I can't think of the word. But there are certain personality types, and it, from what you've described of your personality type, you are you have an addictive person. Well, you have a, 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 um, a an addictive personality in ways, and there there to me is the the damage that because you have that type of personality that you do grab onto something like that. Would you agree with that? Like there are people that can have a bit of weed and just, you know, off they go. It was a bit, you know, okay, it was a bit of fun. I had a laugh or I felt shit or I was sick or whatever and they never touch it again. But some personalities just grab onto it, I I believe, a bit like heroin. The minute you – yeah, yeah. And that's why I say like, you know, I – you know, of course, when you're you're a teenager, and that you don't understand how you know how you how you work. But so I've always had that super addictive personality, you know. And that's when I look back, you know, I did see that manifest in different ways throughout my life. But when I when I found drugs, that was it. Like that was my my addictive personality latched straight onto that, and it, it it's been you know two and a half years of of constant daily work on myself to to get rid of those those addictive habits and, and not, not get rid of my addictive personality, but replace those addictions with positive ones. And because I, I, I will never not be an addict and that's why, you know, in narcotics anonymous and stuff and alcoholics anonymous, you're never, you're always a recovering alcoholic and you're always a recovering addict because your addictive personality doesn't go away. Yeah. But as you say, the work that you've done helps you to recognise those addictions and to deal with them. You know, I'm just thinking to myself, I wonder what would have happened, and this is all, you know, pie-in-the-sky stuff, but if you hadn't have gone to jail, I wonder what would have happened. You probably would have ended up, oh, God, I hate to think, Zach. Like, because jail changed you. It, It forced you to change yeah but when you don't have that anything to force you to do that like oh it's a slippery slope isn't it yeah and look i and i say that you know jail is not a a place that that is uh that that helps you turn your life around it's not where you go to it's not where you want to be when you're trying to trying to turn your life around but if i hadn't have gone to jail narelle i i honestly you know i'd probably be dead and if i wasn't i would be you know, scraping through on, on a very, you know, very bad existence. Um, and, and that, that is, that is where, you know, my, my drug addiction and, and drug abuse and, and everything led me. And I, it, you know, there, I'm sure there were times where, Oh, you know, I can quit any time I want to. And I'm sure there were, but it got to a point where I, I, I really bloody couldn't. No, no. Yeah. So in a strange way, jail has been, a godsend for you they also and, for they also and, and for your mum. Yeah, absolutely. But you know that, and, that, and that's the thing, like this, I, I say it time and time again, like you don't, you don't want to go to jail and you don't want to have to be there and, and be at that point to, to finally turn your life around. Like that is, it's, it's not an easy thing to do and it's not pleasant. And it was really, really hard. If you can, 
if I can if I can get the message through to you to that if you're battling with drug addiction or if you're if you're dabbling in drugs, stop now while you can. Um, you know, because the time the time that I spent away, you know, wasn't just hard on me, but like it it, it was almost harder on, on, on my mum and, and my friends and my family because their lives were mm. always while I was in jail, you know what I mean? So oh, yeah, that, that had yeah. such an impact on them too. Mm. I know your mum's podcast had a huge impact on so many people because it was just oh so so sad but it's uh I'm going to just for listeners I'm going to be uh having another interview with Jane about you know when Zach when you Zach got out of jail and all the you know what all the emotions and yeah, the difficulties, uh, you know, I'm not saying I don't think for one minute it's been easy, but, oh, you are taking taking it like a duck to water, Zach, being outside. So anyway, I've said it again, before, but I'll say it again. I take my hat off to you. Yeah. And, also, and also, you know, I would like to mention veteran mentors again because I, I, I didn't know about them until Melissa mentioned them to me but I looked out I looked up their website and I think what they're doing is so cool and it's such a it's such a um special program that they run and I think that's that's definitely worth mentioning yeah look, they've, they've been an incredible support I do also really want to thank uh, Melissa McGuinness from you choose uh she's she's really helping me get my get my message out there and she's really helping me get in contact with different people who are who I can, you know, tell my story to, to try and help, um, help other people stop making the same mistakes. And so I really want to, want to thank Melissa for the help that she's giving me as well. Yeah. And that's a really good, uh, point, Zach, because I had Melissa and Peter McGuinness on, oh gee, at least 12 months ago. And just to uh, go over that very briefly, Melissa and Peter, their son, Jordan, uh, he was, in the same sort of situation in a roundabout way than you were, wasn't he, Zach? He, was, uh, he, he drove a car, but the bottom line is, and he drove a car drunk. I don't think yeah. he was drug affected, but he, he drove a car drunk. But unfortunately, Jordan was killed along with um, four other people. And Melissa and Peter have made it their mission to make sure that that never happens or is they're doing their best to stop people like yourself mm. from getting behind a vehicle when they're pissed off, when they're drunk, when they're stoned, whatever it be. You have got to be 100% with it to drive a car. Absolutely. Because if, you, if you're not, what will happen is, well, you could lose your life like Jordan did, but the the what would you call it the what uh, the trauma and grief that he has put upon Melissa and Peter and and his sisters it, it's you just can't fathom it. But you have been given a second chance, Zach, and and I know that you are going to make something of your second chance, and um, I. I take my hat off to you. Well, thank you very much, Narelle, for, for giving me the opportunity to, to speak to you today. And, uh, you know, and I, and I can't thank you enough for, for the support that you've shown me and my, and my mum through, through all of this. Thanks for everything, Zach. Thanks for your humility, your honesty.
you're sharing such a painful time in your life. You are such a wonderful example of redemption. And I'd never have had that opportunity to speak with you if it wasn't for your mum being prepared to open up about your situation, her honesty as well. And that all came about due to Melissa and Peter McGuinness from You Choose, who took part in a previous podcast with me about their son, Jordan, who died driving a car affected by drugs, alcohol and speed where he killed four innocent people. It is a heart-wrenching story and you've all joined a group that no one wants to join. Uh, Zach, you are now a voice for Jordan, whose message comes out through your words. What an honour and also what a responsibility that is, and I could think of no one better. Please drive safely. It's Narelle here again. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the podcasts as much as we enjoy putting them together. But to make sure you never miss an episode of Narelle Fraser Interviews, hit subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And don't forget to leave a rating and even a review. And please share it with all your friends too. And again, thanks for joining us. We have got some amazing stories to tell. So thanks again. See ya. Hello, guess who? Just a quick interruption here to let you know you can now become a Narelle Fraser Interviews Patreon. How exciting! Simply go to www.patreon, that's P for Peter, A-T-R-E-O-N for Narelle.com and search for Narelle Fraser Interviews. And to all of you out there who continue to support me, thank you so much. 
That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details.